right, Jeremy, we're back. We're back. We, we, last time we didn't come back, so at least we made a step true. in the right direction. True. Um, we're back. Hopefully that last episode was helpful. We're still looking for input yeah. on topics or questions. Feedback, one, too. One thing we I said need to in, clarify something. One thing I said in the video that Sarah and I did that we played at church, no questions off the table. Mm-hmm. And I believe that 1,000%. Yeah. Because I think, um, not that there's no mysteries. Yeah. Okay, there's mysteries in the scriptures. There's mysteries in God. But um, there's not as many as we think on the surface. So please, nothing's off the table. I think that's another reason that people maybe check out on the church is they feel like they can't ask questions. They can't ask, you know, and I think that that's one of the reasons we have the church is to come together and ask questions and, and pursue Christ together and, um, look into the scripture together. Um, I mean, we, we just got done talking privately about the Psalms and how many times the psalmist asked why, um, We're, we're, we should be a people who ask good questions and want to learn and want to grow. And that's how you do it. You ask yeah, if questions. You, if you want to be strengthened, when you find those answers to those yeah. questions, you're talking about being strengthened. I mean, my the, goodness. The, the biggest thing you can do for your Bible study, just your personal Bible study, is I had a professor in college say, bombard the text with questions. questions absolutely. If you ask good questions, you're going you're gonna to have a good Bible study. So. Yeah, but this episode's got a big question. Who is God? <laughs> so we're going to talk about the doctrine of God. And uh, that's pretty deep. It can be pretty yeah. deep. We'll try I to mean, keep you it. Could, like you, you couldn't, I don't know that you can ever stop answering that question. There's yeah. no one exhaustive answer. Yeah, and it, we'll try to keep it to where it's not. And it really is the it's the question of the whole Bible, you know, that the Bible seeks to answer. That's uh, the first. That's the first us. question you should ask when you're reading the Bible: is what is God revealing about Himself, about himself yeah. in this text, yeah. in whatever text it is? Right. And I've often said that uh, we we want to come to the Bible and we want practical application for ourselves, and we want. Um, insight for living, and we want uh, help with you know just making decisions and all this. All these things are valid and and good motivations to come to the Bible. But if we start with those questions, or we start with the question of who am I, then we're going to come up with all manner of of answers that probably aren't going to be uh, the, the right ones and aren't going aren't to help us think biblically about those, those things in and of themselves. Um, but if we come to the Bible asking, who is God? First and foremost, who has God revealed himself to be? Then we can begin the, to answer the other questions underneath the umbrella of who is God because our view of God has implications for everything else and every other view we have. 
And all of us have a view of God. We all have a view of God. Even if we don't believe in him, we have a view of him. Our view is that he doesn't exist if we don't believe in him. Um, and that affects how we live our life and, and how we view the world. So that's an essential question. And it affects how we read the scriptures. It affects mm-hmm. everything. So when I say read the scripture, if you, if you're not asking that first question of how is he revealing himself and then building upon what you're learning mm-hmm. every time you ask that and, and have something, uh, become illuminated in the scripture in that uh, then you you don't have a good foundation to go through the rest of the scriptures on right uh, with that so the first thing we need to think about with God is what he is one what hero Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one he's one yeah he's one there's gonna be a lot of philosophy in this discussion but we'll try to keep it to where uh, it's not too deep in the weeds but God can only be one. It's not possible for God to be multiple parts. And that includes uh, being multiple gods, but that also includes the Trinity and his mm-hmm. attributes. They are, the attributes are uh, distinct attributes, but they are of one essence that is God. Mm-hmm. They can't divide God. They can't pit each other against each other. So his love can't be pitted against his uh, justice yeah. and his immutability can't be pitted against his omnipotence, which those may be big words. The immutability is unchanging. He, he cannot change. And omnipotence is he is all powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he is of one essence, right? And, yeah. And, and I think what the, the verse you just quoted from Deuteronomy 6, um, I'd have to double check my, my Hebrew uh, on this, but, of course, the word for one can it can mean one as in singular. It can mean one as in unified. Um, it can also mean alone. It can also mean so. If you think about it in in terms of monotheism for a you know for Israel amongst all these nations with many other gods, uh, part of what's being communicated, I think, is. Uh, we talk about the covenant name of God, where we see the capital letters L O R D in the Old Testament. That is uh, signifying Yahweh, the covenant name, the personal name of God, um, connected to His covenant people. Um, what one of the things that's being communicated in that passage is that uh, Yahweh is God. He He alone is the Lord. He alone is God. Um, so the Lord, our God, yeah, Yahweh, Yahweh, our God. Yahweh yes. alone is God. Um, yes. So it's 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 marking out Yahweh as the God, uh, the one true living God, and He had has has bound Himself to His people, His covenant people, and so that's one significance of that passage. I think the other the other layer of that passage is is the unity. Of God, which gets fleshed out through the Scripture, um, you know, we 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 can't just go to one verse and talk about the Trinity. We have to take the whole thing right. and and kind of break it apart, put it back together to to get a, a, a clearer picture of of who God is as a Trinity. So yeah, these are some deep things. Well, that's a good direction on how to uh, approach any doctrine. Our doctrine shouldn't come from proof texts, mm-hmm. whether 
Just taking one verse out of context. Or multiple verses. Yeah. But it should come from the whole counsel of Scripture, the whole counsel of God, the whole revealed word. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the whole thing saying? Again, asking questions and 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 bouncing those passages Referring off back. of one yeah. another yeah. And, and seeing how things um, connect and cohere because you come to multiple passages invariably that, that seem to contradict one another. But when you interpret them in their context and you stand back and look at the big picture, seeing the big picture actually makes sense of the details. Um, You know, we tend to think, well, I've got to get deeper into this one word or this one verse to understand it. Sometimes what you need to do is step way back and get a big picture of the Bible and it'll actually make sense of that. That yep, one verse absolutely. that you're having trouble with, yep. understanding. So. so there are multiple, I think, lists of the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. And so we're not really trying to go through that list. Thank you. Although it's helpful to know it. Um, and um, But one thing, and too. And you know, you know all the big words, and I don't actually know all the well, big words. So. He, here's one thing, and some of you may think, well, I hope I never end up in this situation, but this is something that we need to remember about God that can't even help you in conversation with an atheist even or, or or if you get into that type of discussion that if anything exists then something has to have always existed mm-hmm. and if anything comes about then there had to be a an original antecedent cause mm-hmm. to anything that ever came about and that this idea that um anything came from nothing is the most illogical concept possible. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we have people who are supposedly in, intellectuals who actually say that out loud just blows my mind because mm-hmm. nothing is not a thing. You can't even, it's what Jonathan Edwards said, uh, it's what sleeping rocks dream of is nothing. It's not a thing. You can't even think of nothing. So it could never be nothing. It could never come into nothing. Mm-hmm. And if anything ever existed, something had to always exist because why? Because nothing can come from nothing. So that's God is eternally existent, mm-hmm. right? And for something to be eternally existent, it has to be self-existent. So he is self-existent. The fire in the burning bush did not burn the bush. Why? Because it was a self-fueling fire. It was self-existent. Mm-hmm. That's our God. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Those are the those are the attributes that we can't we don't have any part in. I, and I think it's, I think that's self, what sets him apart. Yeah. I think self, self sufficient or self sustaining is one of those that really needs to be recaptured because uh, a lot of people had the view that God created the world out of some kind of necessity in, in, in himself or deficiency in himself that he, that he wasn't enough. And what I, what I've told our students when we talked about the Trinity um, was that God didn't create the world and humanity because he needed to create Absolutely. it. He created it because he in and of himself is so good that he's too good not to be shared. Right. And so it's, it's, it's out purely out of, out of his goodness um, and his, the riches and goodness that are found in and of himself that he created um, to share himself with his creation to to live in unity and relationship with him. And I, whenever I talk about the Trinity, 
I know a lot of people get hesitant to to talk about it because they they can't get their mind around it mathematically or philosophically. And I'm I'm right there with them. That's why I try to talk about it relationally, because I think we can understand that. And and so God created the world because he's good and and he wanted to share uh, himself with mankind, not because he needed to, not because he was lacking in anything, but because he is just overflowing with goodness and kindness and and abundance. And so the the gospel itself is an invitation to come into fellowship with this triune God that's that's revealed in the scriptures. Um, Jesus prayed about that in John 17. That's one of the greatest chapters really oh, on yeah. the, the Trinity and the fellowship of God. Yep. Um, so, Yeah, and the Trinity um, are all of the same essence of the one mm-hmm. God, and mm-hmm. they are... They are all on the same page, always have been throughout mm-hmm. eternity mm-hmm. and forevermore. I was thinking uh, recently about, I, I heard some a sermon or something, a conversation uh, about how Jesus walked the earth, and they they mentioned that uh, he, he himself walked the earth dependent on the Holy Spirit. We don't think about that. Um, we don't think about Jesus uh, praying depending on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit descended up, yeah, upon. Yeah. Upon and I mean, the baptized. baptism of Jesus is another big, big, uh, e- event in, in, uh, the history of Jesus, earthly life that, uh, just screams, you know, just it makes the Trinity, uh, evident as God, the father speaks from heaven and the Holy Spirit descends from heaven. And there's the son, um, being marked out as, as the sun, um, yeah, I mean, it's that's a huge uh, passage for considering, you know, who God is as a, as a triune God. But yeah, uh, just the fact that Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit is uh, is fascinating. But I think yeah. it's 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 biblical too, and we don't we don't tend to think about that. The fact that right. everything Jesus did was by the power of the Holy Spirit yep. and in independence on the Holy Spirit. So you can never Although you want to distinguish Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three distinct persons, you never want to to dissect them or separate them in terms of their activity because when God said, when God created the heavens and the earth, the it was the Father, the Son, and the Spirit working in perfect harmony to yep. do that in that creative work. Same is true in His recreating of us in his likeness through Christ, through the good news that's preached by his work in the Holy Spirit. You can see the Father sends the Son, the Son lays down his life um, and does all that he does but in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit uh, proceeds from the Father as well. So it's it's all or nothing, basically. Yeah. So... When we're looking at who is God, the doctrine of God, and we're looking at these attributes, there are some that are tied to this concept of being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And those are what is known as the communicable attributes. So if you think of things that you can do as a human, you mm-hmm. can love, you right. can seek justice, you can you can enact justice, you can 
You can even have anger. Mm-hmm. You can, it can show grace, mercy. All these attributes are the, what are known as the communicable ones. The ones that we mentioned earlier are the ones that are not, that are only uh, encompassed in the, the being, mm-hmm. uh, the being of God. And I say the being because there's only ever been one being. We're called human beings, mm-hmm. but we're in the true sense of what's happening. We are actually becoming because we're always changing. Mm-hmm. There's actually only one possible being, and that is true being. That's God. And mm-hmm. that is tied to the immutability, which means he does not change. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't have to change his right. mind. That's a common view, I think, in, from a lot of people. If he wanted to change, he, he could change if he wanted to. No, that doesn't. that's not how it works. He, he doesn't need to want to change. He can't change. That's not even a concept that can be possible in who God is. Um, but we change all the time, which is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. That's why we need him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's good. We can be good relatively. Right. Um, but he is the perfection of all all of those communicable attributes. He he enacts them, or not enacts them. What was it? What would you say? He uh, has them perfectly. We we don't right. Um, we can do. We can have them rightly at times, mm-hmm. but we can also have them. Well, Not rightly, which is actually uh, sin. Yeah. Again, so the self-sufficiency of God implies that all of his attributes are the the perfect version of themselves. They, that he yeah. is, that those attributes are as full and as final and as perfect as they could possibly be. And any of those attributes which we share are because he chose to create us in his image. And so we share those things by virtue of being created in his image and after his likeness to reflect who he is. The problem is we don't reflect those things perfectly because of our sin. Right. Um, and that's that's why we are... We are separated, separate from him, distinct from him in in that regard because we don't reflect those things. That's also what sets Jesus apart because Jesus is the 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 true true, human, the true man, um, because he, even in uh, sinful flesh, reflected God's image perfectly and obviously still does as the the eternal son. So, yeah. Again, deep stuff. Yep. So how does we gotta look at how this can shape the way we look at the Bible? Because there are lang there's language in the scripture, especially in the Old Testament a lot, that makes it seem as if God does change. Mm-hmm. Or there's language of repentance. There's language mm-hmm. of regret. So there we this is where this is important because it's <clears throat> yeah. easy to read that. Uh, in our terms of those those words and what they mean, and not remember that we can't attribute that to God. We can't. Uh, this one is difficult for a lot of people, and we're not going to be able to get into this one and flesh it out because it's way it's above my head. To be honest with you, impassibility, which means God is without passions, which which is tied to the immutability. That's the his anger is not 
something that just comes about. Yeah. His anger doesn't come about because something caused him to become angry. Yeah. And that is why I say it's doesn't we're, lose we're his not. Temper. We, yeah, he doesn't lose his temper. Yeah. Now we're not going to flesh that out in this yeah. in this segment of talking because I don't even think I could describe it properly. But you look like you got some scripture. Well, I Go just ahead. when you said that about the Lord regretting or relenting or repenting, uh, it brought to mind Genesis six five through uh, seven, uh, which is the story of Noah. And uh, or the story of God's judgment uh, on the world um, and his salvation embodied in Noah, the story of Noah. The Lord saw, Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and uh, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, man's heart, was only evil continually. So it's like, what other like words could you use to describe the wickedness of man? And the Lord regretted... Yeah that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. Um, so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. That's one of those passages yeah. that's difficult um, to understand in light of all the things you've just said about who God is. Um, but I think it's important to to you know to to read to to study these passages and to be familiar with them. Um, so I do think that when it says that the Lord regretted that He had made man, I I, I I'm careful not to. I don't want the word to mean something that it doesn't mean. Um, and it even says that He said, "I'm sorry that I've made them." Um, I think grief, though, I think grieved gets at the heart of those other words. I think that's a yeah. that's one of my my hermeneutics, my principles of interpretation is I'm not just looking at one word and trying to figure out what's the technical definition of that word. Okay, that's what it means. But I'm looking at its usage in connection with other words around it and how those can help me kind of understand what's getting at this. We only have language that's all that, we right. have yep. so the language that's being used is is being used for a reason and it's trying to get at God's heart uh in that in that instance and it 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 conveys to us again who God is as a God who who can be grieved who can be grieved to you know at his heart um because of the wickedness of man which he himself has created so i don't yeah I, we we don't know grief because us we mm -hmm. know grief because it's because a god can because be grieved. God, right yes we have emotions now, because god this, has emotions this is uh, it's almost impossible in we're, this we're not i think our fear sometimes is that we are bringing god down to our level when we talk about god having emotions but it's actually the the exact opposite uh, we only have emotions because he himself has right. our emotions proceed from being made in the image of God. Yeah. So. Now, this is almost impossible to avoid getting into the weeds. This is where language is analogical, which means it's relative. Mm -hmm. So grief, God's grief does mean something more relative to who God is than our grief mm -hmm. does. Same with the communicable, all the communicable mm -hmm. attributes. What that means is so... 
God is good. Right. That means he's perfectly good, always and forever mm-hmm. and eternally not possible to be less than good. Mm-hmm. When you say a man is good, that's relative to a man. Right. So yeah. that's what analogical language would mean. Mm-hmm. And and that's one way to understand these these terms. We only like you said, we only have words to describe it. Right. And we're that's a limitation. Well, it's actually, just like on the word head. angry. When God gets angry, the way we we can in some sense, most most of us can only view that in terms of how we view other people uh, right. getting angry and the way they pervert that anger. Um, whereas when God is angry, it's not him flying off the handle uh, on a whim uh, or losing his temper. Here, especially in, in Genesis 6, he looks down at the earth he himself created and he sees his his creatures... Um, in their wickedness, mistreating one another and filling his world with evil continually. And he's grieved to his heart. He's angry um, in, in the best way that I know that gets at sort of uh, illustrating what it means for God to get angry at our sin specifically is if we're a parent and we have a wayward child that, uh, is continually getting into all the wrong things, whatever that may be, and we see them continually making bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, and and we then uh, are are going to do whatever it takes uh, to keep them from destroying themselves. So the things we do might look like we're we're really mad, we're really mad, or we're being too harsh or whatever, but it's that kind of it's that kind of anger that leads us to do that thing for for the good of of the person that we love. So right. that's a that's my best attempt at it. Again, human beings are not on God's level. So we're only using human language to try right. and get at what it's like for God to be angry. But I think that Again, and, we're talking, and we're and we're speaking and, in relational terms too, right? And we're never going to truly know that, right? Yeah, what exactly. it's like for him to be angry, we we're, right. we, we can't. So, right. um, and and you know, just to, because we we build our lives around the gospel, um, it, Christ has borne all of that wrath and anger on Himself once and for all, and so we don't have to feel. Uh, that wrath and that anger on ourselves. Now, those who reject Christ do, the wrath of God is still on them. And um, they have the same warning that Noah and people had in Noah's day to turn from their sin and trust in his mercy. And if they receive that, then then the wrath of God is no longer on them um, because it was already born in Christ. So, um, I mean, that's the beauty of the gospel, obviously, the grace of God. Um, yeah. So what else you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, just, I mean, just, we can wrap this up, but, um, it's just important though. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the questions like, is there, uh, can God make a rock so big he can't move it or so heavy he can't pick it up? Yeah. That's just a logical, that's not even a valid question. Mm -hmm. Uh, so don't even entertain that type of thought. It's, um. But that goes back to his, his omnipotence can't corrupt itself. It's right. perfect. Um, 
omnipotent. Again, omnipotence is all powerful. So, but just the importance of um, of remembering all these things when we approach the Bible and mm-hmm. when we think about God, mm-hmm. because we want to be thinking about Him properly, right? And um, and the way He has revealed Himself in it's the Scripture. It's going to affect how we relate to Him yeah. as well, uh, and and. But, how we think and, of him. And it's gonna also it's gonna also very um heavily affect how we view the gospel because that one big attribute of goodness, mm-hmm. the uh Narnia what's this Narnia about the lion walking the lion's walking and what's his name? Aslan. Aslan. Yeah. And they said, Is he safe? Somebody yeah. asked, is he safe? Safe. Who said anything and, about being and, and safe? And they said, no, he's not safe, but, but he's, he's good. good. Yeah. So uh, that is our comfort and hope in mm-hmm. all things, that right. God is good. When Britt starts off, every time he walks up there, God is good all God the time. All, all the time, time yeah. God is good. I mean, it's easy for a lot of people to... Yeah. And I used to be that way, you know, like, oh, that's just that funny little Christian saying that, right. you know, you know, what does that even mean? Yeah. But no, seriously, that means something. That means mm-hmm. everything. That's our hope. Mm-hmm. And how do we, I mean, this goes back to our assurance of salvation. How do we know that we're, because God is good and he promised it mm-hmm. and he cannot corrupt his promise. His yeah. promise is when God knows something to right. be, when when Paul tells us that we are foreknown, knowledge of God does not mean uh is a chance it could happen. Right. If God knows something to be, it has no option but to be. Right. No matter when it comes about in our yeah. chronological time, our yeah. temporal temporal age. And his promises as well have no option but to be good. Yeah. So it's like I mentioned the bluey uh, uh, thing. I think, no, that, you weren't. That wasn't you. That was Tara in Sunday school one day. Somebody said something about promises. Mm-hmm. The bluey episode about when yeah. he said, no more promises. Yeah, no more promises. <laughs> like, yeah. But you promised to always love us. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. oh, okay. That's a great <laughs> like, That's a great scene in that show. So, for sure. But we don't have to deal with that with God. He, his yeah. promise is never going to be. And mad. our salvation is, this is what, that this is is what establishes our security and our assurance Absolutely. of salvation is that it's not, it's not predicated or built on us. It's built on and founded on his character. And his right. his promise keeping, his promise and his work in Christ, yeah. that uh, if you have trust that Christ fulfilled your righteousness, you are justified. That's mm-hmm. the promise. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the like that's signed, sealed, delivered. It's yeah. over with. Even the Old Testament saints were acting in faith when they you know went to the temple to sacrifice. Uh, Yep. For their sins, yeah, it wasn't the yeah. sacrifice that was saving them. It was the promise of God that when you when you do this, um, in in your doing this, you are trusting that I am your savior, that I am forgiving you, um, that you're owning you're owning your your sin, you're confessing it, and you're giving visual representation Absolutely. that uh, that you are uh, that that sin is being transferred to. Their yeah. sacrifice is identical. The representative, yeah. Their sacrifice is no different than Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Their faith his is potential. Their faith is not in that bull or that goat or that ram. That ram. It's in the promise of it's God. It's in the the Lord will provide. Yeah. Same yeah. same faith that Abraham had that was yep. counted righteous, mm-hmm. which means he's justified. Mm-hmm. 
that counted righteous mm -hmm. is he was seen as righteous, completely justified, yeah. covered in Christ's righteousness. Yep. That's always the object of our faith, God himself. So Hey, you can have a talk about the doctrine of God and the end of the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, a win. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Appreciate y'all checking it out. I can't wait I hope to hear the questions that come about because of that conversation. Well, I hope there are some questions. I, I can see some people having some issues with Genesis 6. I can just see it. Bring them. Yeah. <laughs> come sit down in here and we'll talk about it. Again. Amen. If you have questions, let us know. Text us or come to us in person or whatever. If you want to sit down and join a conversation, please do. Amen. We're not doing this for us. I hope. I mean, that's that's my worry that we are. <laughs> like, oh, in some in some facet of our heart, we are. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, that's that's my worry, and that's my, that's been one of my reluctances but, to even. But as Martin dive Luther in. said, we will sin boldly. So, <laughs> he also said, "Simultaneously, saint and sinner." <laughs> so <laughs> that's but, that's what we are, I guess. So, yeah, give us some more things to talk about, and come join the conversation if you want to. Amen. <laughs>